Thank you so much, worship team. If you would, grab your copy of God's Word and be finding your way to the book of Matthew in chapter 23. We're going to jump around a little bit from text to text tonight. So if you want to get to Matthew 23 and mark that, then for the sake of following along, you can go ahead and find Matthew chapter 13 and mark your place there. And then after you find Matthew 13, you can make your way to John chapter 21 and mark your place there as well. So we're going to jump around a little bit tonight as it will be our last, ser- our last message in the series that we've been in called Identity Crisis. And how many of you have been blessed over the past few weeks through the teachings that God has poured out into your lives about our identity? I've been blessed by it and I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for the truths that he's taught me. I'm thankful for the things that he has retaught me, that he taught me a while back, that he's just reminded me of through this series. And if you'll remember when we kicked it off, we started this series centering it around the question of, who are you? Who are you? Which was appropriate, I thought, because at the beginning of every question, follow me on this, at the beginning of every question, we find a quest to embark on in order to find an answer to the question that has been asked. So that initial question of who are you over these past several weeks has sent us on this quest of understanding who we really are in Christ and what our identity is in Him. And so tonight I want us to end this thing the same way in which we started it. And so the title of the message is just quite simply, Who Are You? Who are you? And I'm going to use that question to show you three different types of identity that can be found in this room tonight. And as we work through them, I would ask you guys to examine your hearts personally and to ask God to show you where you're at. Ask God to show you who you are. Because it always works to our favor when we come before God desiring to hear from Him. Did you hear me? It always works in our favor when we come to God desiring to hear from Him, wanting to know truth and expecting to be changed by His power. And so do me a favor. Look at your neighbor and tell them a couple of things for me as we get started tonight. Look at your neighbor and tell them, number one, leave me alone. Number two, I'm listening to God. So leave me alone for the next 30 minutes or so I'm locked in. I'm listening to God tonight. When I was a senior in high school, I had a lot of friends that liked to party. Anybody have some party friends in high school? I'm not asking if you party. I'm asking if your friends party so, so you can throw it off on your friends and act like you wasn't there. Well, I had friends that liked to party when I was in high school. I think we all did. And I can distinctly remember that one of the guys that liked to party with them, he went out and actually got a fake ID. Have any of y'all ever actually seen somebody with a fake ID? He went out and got a fake ID. So on his ID, it had his picture, it had his height, it had his weight, it had his state residency, it had his address, it had a license number, it had a date of birth. By all accounts, it looked like him. The only thing that was falsified was what? His real date of birth. And so he carried around this ID so he could, 
Instead of asking somebody else to get his alcohol for him, he could go into the store and pass his fake ID off. And I come from a little country town up Savannah Highway, down Cloverdale Road, out here called Central. Most of y'all might not even know where that is. Most people out there, they don't care if you're of age or not, but he thought it'd be cool to have his fake ID, and so he carried it around. He would go into the stores, and he would do his business, but in reality, he was claiming to be somebody he really wasn't. And so the first type of identity that can be found in this room tonight is a fake identity. And I really want you guys to hear my heart on this tonight. When God lays out the truth of his gospel in front of us, it is never in a condemning way. It is always in a loving way. And so I want you to perceive this message tonight not as one that condemns, but as one that is pulling you towards God in love because he wants to have a relationship with you. And so the first identity that you can find in this room tonight, somewhere, I promise you, is a fake identity. Many times throughout Scripture, Jesus is seen calling out fake followers. Time and time again, you can find record of this in Scripture where Jesus turns around and rebukes those who were following him for the wrong reasons. And one time in specific, we see here in Matthew chapter 23, as Jesus is speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees, which would also be known as the religious people. The church-going folk. You know what I'm talking about? The pastors of their day. The Sunday school teachers of their day. The small group leaders of their day. And Jesus turns around and he begins to pronounce these woes upon them. And there's a couple that I want us to look at starting in verse 25. Listen to what Jesus says to the religious people of his time. Woe to you. In other words, I have mercy on you. I pity you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgent. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. These are harsh words that Jesus is speaking to the religious church-going people of his time. And do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, woe to you, you religious people. You, you whitewash tombs. Everything on the outside looks good. Everything on the outside looks impressive. Everything on the outside looks beautiful. But on the inside, you're full of death. On the inside, you're full of lawlessness or sin. On the inside, everything is unclean. Woe to you because you put up a good front. But it's not really who you are. And I believe that there are some people here tonight that if you were honest, if you were honest, you would have to admit that you are not who you are claiming to be. If some of you were dead honest, you would have to look at your life and admit, I claim to be a follower of Jesus. But your heart does not belong to Him. Everything on the outside looks good. Everything on the outside looks righteous. 
You come to church when you can. You read your Bible every now and then. You might say a prayer or two. You sing the songs and you know the words. By all accounts, you try to live a right, morally good life. You try to help others when you can. You watch your mouth. You don't try to use dirty language. Everything on the outside looks good, but your heart doesn't belong to Jesus. He's not your Lord. And this is a very serious thing. You can be the most religious person in this world and still have a reserved seat in hell. That's why Jesus says, woe to you because you think everything looks good, but on the inside it's not. You haven't given your hearts to me. And I know there are some people here tonight, everything on the outside looks good, but your hearts don't belong to God. And it's only going to hurt you tonight if you're not honest with yourself on this. And what Jesus is speaking to the religious people here, I want you to know it wasn't a one-time occurrence. There were many other times when Jesus talked about this issue. And he had even more to say it in the book of Matthew. So flip over to Matthew chapter 13. And I want you to see where Jesus tells a parable about wheat and weeds. And so in Matthew chapter 13, we're going to pick up in verse 24, and Jesus is speaking here, and it says that he put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And so when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. The weed that Jesus is talking about here, and specifically, it's called a tear. And I've got a picture for you. I want you to see this. I want you to see the comparison between a, a, a piece of wheat and a piece of tear. So if you look at the picture, the wheat's on the left and the tear is on the right. They're very, very similar. Would you agree? And this is a, this is a close-up shot and they're separated from each other. And so it's a little bit easier to tell which one is wheat and which one is tear. Plus you guys have the added benefit of the label there, which obviously you wouldn't have in the field. The enemy wouldn't put tear on the weed, so you could tell the difference. But just imagine, just imagine if you took those and you put them inside all of that wheat. There's no way you would be able to distinguish between the two. It would take a very, very trained eye to be able to see the weeds versus the wheat. And so it is with those of you that are carrying around a fake ID. It looks real convincing. It looks just like the real thing. And when you mix it in amongst the real thing, it becomes even more convincing when you look at it. But it's not real. It's false. It's not wheat. It's a weed. And, you, and congratulations, you know, you, you've got everybody fooled. And I'm not trying to be mean-hearted, 
But I'm just saying, you, you do, right? You've got everybody fooled. You fooled everybody here. You might have fooled me. You might have fooled your friends. You might have fooled your family members. But I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't stand here tonight burdened by the Holy Spirit of God to make this known in your life that you will go to hell as a faker. And I love you guys too much to sit back and knowing that there are those in our midst that carry around a fake ID and not do my best to try to expose you to the truth of God's love and His Word so that you can get it right. And I hope the men and women of God in this room heard that as well. You are not loving the lost people in your life by continuing to turn a blind eye and a cold shoulder to the path that they're walking down. You know, fake ID, it might get you into the club, it might get you into the bar, it might fool the cashier at the convenience store, but it won't work when you're standing outside the gates of heaven. Are you faking? Who are you really? There's a second kind of identity in the room tonight. So flip over to John chapter 21. The second kind of identity that you will find in this room tonight is a stolen identity. When Jesus was with his disciples, he had once told Peter that he would use him to build his church. And this was after Peter had made the confession. When Jesus asked him one day, he said, Who do people say that I am? And Peter in his boldness, Peter in his courage, stepped up to the plate and seizing the opportunity, he says, You are the Christ. You're the Son of God. And Jesus applauded and said, Bless you, Peter, for flesh and blood has not made this known to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed this truth to you. And I tell you, Peter, upon this rock, upon this Petros, Peter, I will do what? I will build my church. But when Jesus was arrested before his crucifixion, remember what Peter did? He denied knowing Jesus on three separate occasions. You've heard the story, right? They show up in the garden. And they go to arrest Jesus. And one of the Gospels tells us that Peter actually took his sword out and took a swing at Malchus. Cut his ear off. This is in Scripture, no lie. And Jesus says, man, uh-uh, we're not doing that. Walks over there, picks up dude's ear and says, boop. Puts it back on. Now, Peter's defending Jesus, but then they arrest him. And as they're leading him away, Peter's kind of sneaking around in the background trying to see what's going to happen. And somebody notices him and they say, hey, hey, you're, you're, you're one of those guys. Yeah, you're one of those disciples that was following Jesus. And Peter's like, no, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. And so they, they move on a little far, further and Peter's still following him. And somebody else walks up, a little girl turns around, she notices, she says, hey, hey, that, that's, you're one of those Galileans. You're one of those people that follow Jesus. And Peter's like, no. I don't, I don't know who he is. I'm just trying to see what's going on. I'm just trying to follow the action. I don't know who that guy is. Twice he denies him. And they're sitting around the campfire. And the, and the light of the fire lights up Peter's face. And another person recognizes, 
No, you're one of those guys. I know you're one of those guys that follows Jesus. And the Bible tells us that Peter, swearing, says, I don't know him. Denies him three times. And then Jesus was taken away, killed, and buried before Peter ever had the opportunity to apologize for what he had done. Imagine the mental anguish that he went through after that. Imagine the heartache that Peter felt as he carried around with him this burden of knowing, I just denied Jesus. He told me I was going to do it. I did it. He looked at me after it happened, and I never got the chance to tell him I'm sorry. Imagine the pain that he felt. Then imagine how it got compounded by the whispers of the enemy in his ear. Because the enemy always loves to whisper in your ear right after a failure. Imagine the whispers in Peter's ear. Ooh, Peter. Jesus can never love you now. Jesus can never use you to build his church now. Look at what you did. You said that you would go with him to the cross. And here you are denying him. Oh, Peter. You're in trouble now, Peter. And so in John chapter 21... Starting in verse 1, this is what Peter has been dealing with as we pick up this narrative. God's Word says this, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. So this is post-resurrection, and Jesus is beginning to appear to those that he loves. And he revealed himself in this way. Verse 2, Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, And two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. Then they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. So here's Peter. Here's Peter, a man who had left everything to follow Jesus. A man who had seen Jesus feed the thousands of people. A man who had seen Jesus raise the dead, heal the sick, heal the blind, heal the lame, heal the deaf. He had seen Jesus walk on water, and he himself had even taken a couple of steps on the surface of it. Here's Peter, a man who had seen Jesus silence storms just by the word of his mouth. Here's a man who had been with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration and saw Jesus in all of his eternal Glory. Here's a man who had received a God-given calling from Jesus himself to be instrumental in the building of his church, but the enemy has stolen his identity. Well, how do you know that, preacher? Because he's fishing. Well, why is that a big deal? I like to fish. I like to try. You go fishing all the time. What's wrong with Peter fishing? That's what he did before he started following Jesus. Now let me show you something. When believers have their identity stolen, we have this natural tendency to revert back to our old way of living. And some of you sitting here tonight with your stolen identity, just like Peter, you have reverted back to your old way of living. Peter was a victim of identity theft. And can't you hear Satan whispering in his ear, you're nothing, Peter, you're nothing. 
You're absolutely nothing, dude. You should have never gotten out of that boat to begin with. That first day when Jesus walked up and said, follow me, you would have been better off just staying in the boat the whole time. Why, Peter? I'll tell you why. Listen to my lies. Listen to my forked tongue. Because once a fisherman, always a fisherman. That's why you screwed up, Peter. That's why you're a dog. And Peter bought it. And he believed it. And now he's living it. If the enemy can get you to buy it, then he can get you to believe it. Then he can get you to live it. And in the same way, he has robbed some of you of your identity in Christ. Yeah, you've made some mistakes. But here's the sad part in all that. Because of those mistakes, you've allowed the enemy's whispers in your ear to cause you to forget God's wonders in your life. And he has you believing and living a lie. Once a porn addict, always a porn addict. You know, you've had some successes along the way, but in reality, you're never actually going to get over that eating disorder that you have. You know, you're never actually going to be truly free from that. You know... <laughs> You can forget about finding a spouse after what you just did last weekend. You can forget about it. It's not happening. God's not going to bring that into your life. And, and by the way, your earthly father doesn't even love you. So why would your heavenly father love you? <laughs> to be honest with you, you should probably just go ahead and end it. No one would care. In reality, they probably wouldn't even notice. You're so insignificant. Nobody would probably even realize that you're gone. And you're believing these lies. And instead of being men and women of God who live victorious, free, empowered lives, we walk around depressed and disappointed and beaten down because we've forgotten about God's wonders in our lives, because we're listening to the enemy's whispers in our lives, because you've made one mistake along the way. That's not the life that Jesus went to the cross for you to experience after his resurrection. He wants you to live in freedom. He wants you to live in victory. He didn't give you a new identity just so you can let the enemy come in and steal it away. Because, by the way, he has no authority to take away what God has given. And your identity is stolen tonight. Men and women of God that aren't living empowered lives, you're having no impact on the world around you. You're not driving back the forces of darkness because you've allowed the enemy to steal your joy to steal your identity, to get you to believe these lies. And here's the thing, you may make a mistake along the way, but you're forgetting all about the small victories God has given you leading up to that time. And, and you're, just, you're just sitting in the boat. I'm going fishing. Because that's comfortable. Because that was what I was used to beforehand. Because I know how to fish. And maybe I can be good at that. But the thing is, Truly born-again believers are never any good at going back and living their old lives. Can I show it to you? Peter was a fisherman before Jesus called him. 
and he reverted back to his old way of living, the thing that he knew how to do best. And you know what he did all night? He didn't catch Jack. So you think that you'll experience success or prosperity or fulfillment or satisfaction going back to the thing that God redeemed you from, but the truth is you ain't going to catch nothing because he set you free from that and your mind isn't on that thing anymore. It's not that Peter couldn't catch fish, it's that he didn't care to. Because he had tasted and seen that God was good and he was just running scared. He might have thrown the net out, but I guarantee you after he threw the net out, he sat down on the deck of the boat and he never thought twice about it again. I want us to finish the story because there's a third type of identity that can be found in this room tonight. And that's a true identity. If you've been faking it, tonight you can leave this place with a true identity in Jesus. If you've had your identity stolen by the thief, then you can leave this place tonight reminded and reestablished in who you are in Christ. So let's finish out the passage here in John because I want you to see how real this is. Go back and look at verse 4. It says that just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And so they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, which would be John, therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. <laughs> I love this part in the story. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. So when Peter realized that it was Jesus standing on the shore, he didn't wait for them to crank the motor up or to grab an oar and paddle over there. He threw his coat on, and he jumped into the sea and swam to shore to see Jesus. Man, what a picture of how you can be reestablished tonight. What a picture of how you can be restored tonight. You might be faking it. You might have a stolen identity, but Jesus stands on the edge of the shore tonight calling out to you. All you got to do is see Him. Jump out of the boat and run to Him. Swim to Him. Doggy paddle. Whatever it is that you got to do to get there. Peter's swimming to Jesus. Verse 8, And the other disciples came in the boat. They weren't quite as enthusiastic. But the thing is, they weren't quite as enthusiastic because they hadn't been quite as deep in despair. Dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about 100 yards off. And when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, because he's a better fisherman from the bank than the disciples are from the boat. Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon and Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Man, what it be like to sit down and have breakfast with Jesus. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish, this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised 
from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, here's where I want you to see the truth of this tonight. Jesus pulls Peter off to the side and begins to have a one-on-one conversation with him. And he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? How many times did Peter deny Christ? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Do you see what Jesus is doing for his servant, Peter? He's restoring back to him the identity that the enemy had stolen from him. So all the lies that the enemy had spoken over Peter's life, Peter, you're nothing. Peter, you blew it. Peter, Jesus will never use you to build his church now. Jesus restores him the three times that Peter, or that, that Peter denied him. And at the very end of it, he's going to make his point. Peter, you're still mine. Peter, I know you still love me. Peter, I still have plans to use you. And I know you made a horrible mistake. And I know you might have ran from me. And I know you might have forsaken me. But I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. And your past decisions don't determine your future destinies. Verse 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. So Jesus has restored Peter back to service in his kingdom. And when all of this journey began for us, all of it began by us posing this question of who are you? Who are you? How do you respond? Who are you? Some of you might still need to answer that question tonight. And when we began, that's where the question led us. And these negative voices of your past speaking to your life that maybe you're dumb or maybe you're pathetic. Maybe these negative voices from your past want to tell you that you're a loser, that you'll never amount to anything, that you're unattractive physically. Who are you? Who are you? And these negative voices continue to spill into your life. And they might want to tell you that I'm forgotten. Nobody cares about me anymore, that I'm just useless, that God can never use me. Who are you? Who are you? And once again, you hear these voices cry out, you're broken, you're past. It tells you that you're all alone, that nobody is for you in this life, that you're completely worthless and you have no value whatsoever. You're just a nobody. And these voices continue to tell you that you're insignificant, to tell you that you're unloved, that you're a failure, 
that I'm inadequate, I'm a mistake, I'm overweight, I'm unwanted. And time and time again, the voice blares back, who are you? And the more you struggle to answer that question, the more frustrating it gets. But this is why understanding your true identity in Christ is so important. Because when I understand that, now, the question of who are you is met with the response of who I am. And who I am in Christ is somebody who is loved. Who I am in Christ is somebody who is considered to be, in his eyes, a masterpiece that he treasures. Who I am in Christ is somebody that has been redeemed from their sins. Someone that is now a new creation in Him. That's who I am. Who I am in Christ as a new creation is somebody that has been set free from the bondages of their past. Who I am in Christ is somebody who has been forgiven of all my sins and all my failures and all my mistakes and now I'm blameless in His sight. Who I am in Christ is someone that has been chosen by Him and given a purpose in this life. And I've been ransomed from a debt that I can never repay on my own. And I'm called to bring His glory throughout this earth and resurrected from my death into life in Him. That's who I am. Who I am in Jesus is somebody now that He calls holy. Somebody that he looks at and says, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You are now alive in me, not dead in your flesh. You are righteous because of the blood that covers you. So who I am in Christ, I'm somebody that is loved. I am his masterpiece, redeemed. I am new, free, forgiven, blameless, chosen, ransomed, called, resurrected, holy, blessed, alive, and righteous. That's who I am. Let me ask you again. Who are you? Who are you? Have you been faking? And it's okay if you have. But tonight is the night to get it right. Tonight is the night to stop carrying around that fake ID and get yourself a true one. No one's going to shame you. No one's going to talk bad about you. No one's going to point you out. No one's going to stand up and say, hey, we got a fake. We got a phony over here. No, there'll be a different kind of roar. There'll be a different kind of shout. Because God's Word tells us that all of heaven breaks out into a glorious roar over one lost repentant soul that comes back to Jesus. Do you need a true identity tonight? What about the believers in the room? Has your identity been stolen? Have you been believing and living a lie that the enemy has thrown into your life that has robbed you of your victory? That has robbed you of your joy? That has kept you from being effective and efficient? for the kingdom of God. So 
some of us need to get to this altar tonight and confess, God, I'm not who I claim to have been. Some of us need to get to this altar tonight and confess, God, I've been believing and living a lie, and I know that's not the life that you have for me. And I need my identity to be restored. I need my identity to be reestablished tonight. Who are you? Thanks again so much for stopping by to listen to the message. Our prayer is that, if you don't already, you would come to know the love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness of Jesus in a personal way. Following Him is the greatest choice you could ever make. Each week, we want to challenge you through the Word of God to continue walking in Christ and leveraging your life for His glory. So we hope that you will join us again next week for another impactful message here at Life.